0: I will be reading from John 20, 19 to 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you." And with that, he breathed on them and said, "'Receive the Holy Spirit.' If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven." Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, "'We have seen the Lord.' But he said to them, "'Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, And put the finger where the nails were, and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here in my hands, reach out your hand, and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which were not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Uh, Well, good afternoon, Exeter Network Church. It is lovely to see you all, and I hope you're doing okay. And um, thank you to Charlotte for reading that for us so beautifully. Um, As we look at this passage today with with the Apostle Thomas, I would love us to hear afresh this truth about God that He knows just what we need. And He's the same today as He was then. He knows just what we need better probably than we know ourselves often and so if you're here today and if you are on this zoom call and you uh, feel you have uh, like big gaps in your life or you've got places where you feel broken down there's things that you're really struggling with and you think I need an encounter with Jesus I need to know God's touch well God is here with us by his spirit and he knows what you need and so as we look at this passage, I want, you to, I want to kind of invite you to uh, like activate your faith uh, so that that experience that Thomas had can be the same for us today. So with no further ado, grab your Bible. Uh, if you haven't done already, John 20. Uh, let's have a look. So uh, we see it first. This is this God knowing what we need. We see it first in his appearance. Jesus's appearance to the 10 disciples. They're locked in an upstairs room. And some of the women uh, that morning, they had reckoned they'd spoken to Jesus, that he'd been raised to life in some way. But the men don't believe them. And then that same evening, it says, verse 19, uh, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them, his hands and side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So Jesus knows just what they need. They are scared stiff. They're worried that the Jewish leaders are going to come for them next and drag them out and stone them because they were followers of this troublemaker Jesus. And they lock themselves in this room. And then as if they're not scared enough, Jesus just appears in the room. Does he walk through the wall or does he just like like appear and, and we don't know but like always in the scriptures whenever Christ or another like heavenly messenger appears to a human the first thing they say is peace don't be afraid because naturally we're thinking an egg, like dropping our teacups and scared out of our minds he knows just what we need he releases peace to them he blesses them with peace and then he turns his hands around and he shows them the wounds that he still carries the wounds that he endured for us, for our darkness, our brokenness, the wounds we should have in our hands. And, and isn't that beautiful that the Son of God, what he's given this resurrection body and it isn't subject to the laws of nature anymore. It's a supernatural body that can just appear or it can walk through a wall or what, whatever, whatever happens. And yet, the Son of God still chooses. For his new resurrection body, human 2.0, to carry the scars, to carry the wounds of all he's been through. How beautiful is that, that God chooses to show his vulnerability. Even in that, the cross and all that Jesus achieved there, Jesus knew just what we needed more than we knew it ourselves. And then the author, John, tells us about Thomas. So it says, now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, he was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So we don't know where Thomas had gone. Maybe he nipped to the 24-hour garage to get some milk. Who knows? He isn't there for some reason. We don't know where he is And when they tell him, we've seen the Lord, he just doesn't believe them. And he says what many of us have heard before, probably from our friends and stuff. It's like, nah, sorry. Honestly, I just don't believe it. I, I would need to experience that. I would need to have definite proof. Thomas says, I won't believe it unless I can touch him, unless I can experience being with him and touch his wounds. So I'm going to show you some things, I hope. Let's try and show you these things. Um, So it's a bit unfair, really, that he's been known all the way down through history as Doubting Thomas. Maybe we can rename him today, Missing Thomas. Missing Thomas or, or running an errand Thomas, because he actually is no more doubting than any of the others were or than any of us probably are today. Actually, the other disciples said the same thing when Mary and the, and the other women came back and they said to them, we've seen Jesus. He's been resurrected. And they just say nonsense. It says in the gospel accounts that they, they just dismiss what the women say as nonsense. So like us, perhaps, the other disciples can't believe something so extraordinary just on someone else's description. And so it was only when they encountered Jesus for themselves, when they stood in his presence in that room, that they finally believed. Let me try and do this differently. Um, So I wonder whether it's the same for all of us. I wonder whether it's the same for all our friends and our family, all those people you and I know who don't believe the Christian claim that Jesus rose from the grave. Maybe it is simply that they are yet to have an experience of standing in the presence of the living God. And that guy Jacob prayed for on the street certainly experienced the risen Jesus. Maybe that's what we should be praying for our friends and our families each day, because it is an extraordinary idea. Literally, it's out of the ordinary. And sometimes it is an experience of Jesus that we really need to believe something so extraordinary as the resurrection. The resurrection has always been the kind of clincher. The whole of the Christian faith rests on the fact that Jesus not only died, but would be raised to life. And if he wasn't, Paul says, we might as well all go home because none of this works anyway. The resurrection is, is the kind of cornerstone, but it is also a stumbling block for many. So there is a scientist and broadcaster called Professor Alice Roberts. And many of you will have seen her TV programs. She presents a kind of like popular uh, science TV programs where they look for dinosaur bones and stuff like that. And she decided on Easter Day to express her opinion of the Christian faith on Twitter. So let me try and show you this for a sec. Uh, She said this. Can you all see that? That, uh, Can you see that? Hopefully you can see that. Not quite. There you go. She said this. Uh, She said, just a little reminder today. Oh, look, it's gone off again. Anyway, I'll read it to you. She says, just a little reminder today, dead people don't come back to life. So that was from the professor. Thanks for that. Um, And it kicked up a bit of a fuss. And you can imagine, many people disagreed with her, told her to not sound like such a know-it-all and disrespectful on a special day for a religious faith. Many people, though, agreed with her, retweeted it. And they said, I was totally unscientific, the, the resurrection, it's like a myth. It's against the laws of nature. After three days, people can't come back to life again. But then, interestingly, a few people pointed out to her that she clearly didn't even understand what the Christian claim is. Because we don't believe that Jesus's body came back to life like it was just resuscitated, like the Holy Spirit defibrillator. Like it's not the same body. The Christian claim is that Father God, through the Spirit, gives Jesus life again, raises him to life. So in one sense, Professor Alice Roberts is right, because in our normal natural reality, this doesn't just happen. But because she has no grid for the supernatural, she can't understand what has happened. She doesn't have eyes that can see it. So she says it's against the laws of nature, Kind of science of how this world usually works, but she doesn't see that God isn't subject to the laws of nature because he wrote the laws of nature. It's a it's a supernatural event, it's it's extra to the natural. Jesus is raised to life in a new kind of body, and it's a new, it's like a resurrection body. And Paul talks about resurrection bodies in 1 Corinthians 15. And if any of you have got some bedtime reading time tonight. I'd encourage you, read 1 Corinthians 15. It's one of the best bits of scripture. It's mind-blowing. He talks about how Jesus is this kind of prototype for this new kind of humanity. Humanity 2.0. So just as we were born into the line of Adam and into that line of sin and darkness and brokenness, now too we are born into this new line through Jesus. Paul calls him the second Adam or the last Adam. And like Jesus, we are going to get brand new resurrection bodies. So that's great news, isn't it? Who's excited that they're not going to get their old body back, resuscitated? You're going to get a brand new resurrection body when we, like him, have passed through death and go to be with him. And we're raised to life. So with all love and respect to Professor Alice Roberts, she just doesn't get it. She's making a basic kind of category error. And so she doesn't believe a word of it. And I used to not believe a word of it either. I used to be an atheist and a very cynical one at that. And it was only when I really started looking for Jesus that I encountered him and experienced his living presence in the room with me. And I thought, oh, like this is something totally different. I don't have a grid for this. This is something totally out of this world. It's beyond my scientific understanding or anything else. It was when I experienced Jesus that my faith was born. Jesus knew just what I needed. He knew the language that I needed to be spoken to in. He knew the way he needed to reveal himself to me personally and he is the same for all of you today and all your friends and your family members if you really need a touch from jesus today the living god then i want to encourage you ask him that was my experience jesus jesus taught the crowd he says, if you ask you will receive and if you seek you will find like jesus is good he's not trying to trick you he knows just what you need and he loves you And so it is with Thomas. So have a look at verse 26. It said, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. So Thomas, if there is an errand to be run, if someone needs to nip to the 24 hour garage to get milk, it's not going to be Thomas. He's keeping his head down. He's determined to be here this time. So it says, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them again and said, because again, they dropped like teacups, he says, peace, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. So after declaring peace in the room and telling them not to freak out, the first thing he does is he goes straight to Thomas, like through to form, The missionary God, the the sentness of God that is Jesus Christ, he goes straight to the one who doesn't believe yet. And Jesus knows just what he needs. Jesus said to him, it's fine. Come, come and touch my hands. If you need to touch them, experience me with your senses. That's fine. If that's the language I need to speak to you in, if that's what you need to believe, then come Thomas, and be full of faith. Don't be faithless. Put your trust, he says, in the things you can't understand fully yet or you can't control. And you'll know me and you'll see me. So today, if you are on this Zoom call and you are full of questions or perhaps you come on this Zoom call and you think I'm really in need of comfort or there's something in your life that you think this thing needs a touch from the king. Well, Jesus is here amongst us by his spirit and he knows just what you need. And I pray that when you receive from him, when you meet with him, your response will be like Thomas's. What does Thomas say after he realizes this is Jesus and he puts his fingers in the holes? He says, my Lord and my God. He realizes that Jesus isn't just some good rabbi. He says, you are Lord and you are God. And it's like the kind of climax. It's like the thing that John has been leading up to all the way through his gospel. It's like the punchline. It's like Thomas. We call him doubting Thomas. I think he should be called understanding Thomas. He's almost the first one to properly articulate that. He says, you are God himself, my Lord and my God. And I think that's been my reaction. When I met with Jesus, I was like, oh, I see OK, and that, that's my prayer for you today. So we're going to pray together now. And I encourage you, if you think I've got my doubts or I've got need, I need to be able to experience the goodness of God again afresh. Then ask him. Let's ask him together now. Uh, I'm going to pray. Perhaps you could enjoy join me in praying for a moment. Uh, Lord Jesus, risen Lord Jesus, thank you that you are here with us by your spirit. And thank you that you know what we need. You love us. You know us. You you made us, Lord. And you know just what we need, better than we know ourselves. So I pray that as we are all together like this, and your presence is here with us, it's as if we are in this, we're in a Zoom room, but we imagine that we're in this upper room together. Would you come and would you stand in the midst of us, Lord? And would you minister? Where people are hurting, where people are broken, where people have these needs that they want to bring to you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would meet with them and touch them, renew that in their lives. Yeah, we just invite you as we go to breakout rooms, as we pray together, as we worship, Lord, would you continue to work? Thank you that you know just what we need. Amen.